Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, as autumn arrives and we get back down to business, here's an inspiring thought. My next guest, psychiatrist Mark Toback, MG, MD, assures us that anyone can become rich, including you and me, and he's here with his proven effective four-pronged strategy that has helped many of his patients and will help folks like you and me overcome their primal fear of loss, a major obstacle to building wealth. And before I introduce him, here's Dr. Mark Toback's biography. He's a general adult uh, psychiatrist in private practice. He's former chief of inpatient geriatric psychiatry and now an attending physician at St. Vincent's Hospital in Harrison, New York. That's in greater New York City. And Dr. Toback also has a law degree and was admitted to the New York State Bar. And his work appears in the American Journal of Psychiatry, Psychiatric Times, and American Journal of Medicine and Pathology. And he's author of the 2017 book, Anyone Can Be Rich, A Psychiatrist Provides the Mental Tools to Build Your Wealth which, believe it or not, received high praise from Warren Buffett. You've probably heard of him. And, oh, by the way, Dr. Tobek was not born uh, to wealth. His prior jobs include bellhop, dishwasher, postal worker, and short-order cook. And, hello, oh, Dr. Tobek, uh, anyone who complains that their, their lawyer needs to a psychi- see a psychiatrist, you have one built in. <laughs> <laughs> Well said, well said. Good mo- uh, Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Well, welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. To begin, let's talk about your definition of rich. In your book's preface, you inform us that you will never be wealthy, and you don't care about that, but that in time you will probably become comfortably rich. How do you define the difference between being truly wealthy and merely comfortably rich? Uh, to me, comfortably rich is having enough money that you don't have to work. Uh, It's being okay on your own. It's being able to retire and not want for anything. Uh, Wealthy, that's private jets and, you know, uh, multiple (laughs) homes and, uh, you know, living the life. Uh, I don't aspire to that. I'm happy to be working, and I'm going to continue working as long as I can. But uh, uh, in the fullness of time, uh, by compounding and not being afraid of the market, I know that uh, my uh, my 401k will expand to the point that I won't have any worries, and uh, I'll be able to leave that to my family. Yeah, that's great. So, what's uh, the? Well, I think you described that the principal advantage you and I get from becoming comfortably rich. That means we're independent. I think that's probably the, the main thing that uh, I would say makes you feel great. I agree with you. And you know who also does, and maybe that's why Mr. Buffett endorsed my book, uh, many of my ideas, or maybe most of them, I owe to him and his partner, Charlie. And they always say they sought 
to accumulate wealth to be independent so that they didn't have to answer to anybody. And That's they really, didn't have you know, to be on a leash. Sitting around counting your money or, you know, constantly striving to uh, gain more wealth really doesn't accomplish a happy lifestyle or, or really uh, contribute anything to anyone else. It's, it's really when you uh, are comfortable enough so that you can contribute to others and you can do what you want to do with your life and, and just enjoy living without the, constantly the stress of, uh, you know, being not having enough money to pay the bills this month and that kind of stuff. So I certainly would agree with you there. Yeah, well, in my book, when I, I, I give the reader a shopping list of, of things you can be when you accumulate uh, uh, some wealth, is that you can help other people. Uh, you yeah. know, primarily, most people focus on their children, their grandchildren, um, but uh, you can also give money away to charities that you approve of, and uh, the two folks I mentioned, uh, Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett, uh, are leaving well, Warren Buffett's leaving virtually all his fortune to charity, and yeah. Charlie Munger endows uh, different academic institutions that uh, he's either attended or grown fond of, and uh, both of them put charity way up front. Yeah. Well, your book offers the disclaimer, I am not a financial consultant and I do not give financial advice. So why would you as a psychiatrist and a retired attorney offer advice and write a book on getting rich? And what uh, non-financial advice are you dispensing? It's an understanding of your own mind. Because if you don't understand how your mind was built over the eons, and I don't mean to offend people who are God-fearing or yeah. who cherish the Bible, because the Bible's mentioned multiple times in my book. Yeah. Um, the scientific view of man is that we are evolved creatures. We feel like we know what's going on, just like a horse or a dog knows what's going on. But that's, that's in a way an artifice. Uh, we are evolved creatures, and we have reactions that are not rational. And we're not rational about money. So if I can teach a reader how to manage his own mind about money, finance, yeah. then he can be effective in building wealth. I don't have to be a financial planner to teach somebody how to build wealth. If I can teach them how to manage their mind about wealth, they will build wealth. Shall I go on to some examples? That we're hardwired a lot, uh, in some ways. We're a lot like our family dog. <laughs> What's the comparison you give there of uh, how our uh, humans react uh, to loss, just like a family dog does? <laughs> well, that's not my image. I borrowed that from Charlie Munger. Yeah. Charlie Munger likes to talk about the Munger dog, who is a very sweet dog, not not a ferocious dog, a friendly dog. Yeah. But the one thing you'll do. To anger that dog and perhaps get bit is to try and take food from him or out of his mouth. <laughs> and we're not that different from that dog. Like that, humans, you say loss hurts us up to three times more than uh, we feel when gain feels good. <laughs> yes, yes, that is true as well. And that's that's a scientific study. That isn't, uh, you know, just... Uh, uh, cracker Barrel Wisdom, like uh, Charlie's handing yeah. out. But, uh, uh, yeah, that's been proven. 
So uh, when they do experiments involving people giving stuff up, they don't like to give stuff up yeah. once it's theirs. Yeah. No, I can certainly relate to that story of the dog. We had this sweet dog named Lucky, a Cocker Spaniel, years ago, and you could uh, sit on him, you could uh, pull his tail, you could do most anything. But one time my son Jeff took some jerky away from him, and that was the only time he ever bit <laughs> And he nipped and ended up in jail at the uh, veter veterinarian uh, office for about three weeks. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. But he was the sweetest dog around that you don't take up. Yeah, well, the way you apply this in dealing with investments is, you know, people get exercised when they see a stock drop. Yeah, that's so And true. they rush to sell it to save whatever they can. They yeah. feel like they're running from a burning house, and they just have to grab something valuable uh, maybe a child, maybe their most prized possession, and get out of the house. Uh, but a stock market drop isn't like that. No. Uh, you have to understand that the stock market is not in those huge buildings. It's no. not an institution. It's made out of people. Yeah. And uh, when you put a group of people together, they're a crowd. And crowds are notoriously fickle and willful, and they go one way or the other, and they're easily swayed, and they stampede, and you just got to step aside, step back, and realize that a share of stock is not going to bounce around wildly in its true worth the way yeah. it will in a marketplace. Yeah. It, if you own a share of stock in a stable company that's going to be there after whatever recession or depression occurs, then that's what you own. You own a piece of a company, and yeah. you don't care what people are offering to pay for it or who want to sell it for. On that particular day, anyway, obviously, you care yeah. over the long term. The well, Warren Buffett always says, you want to buy into a company where you don't care if it doesn't trade for the next five years. Oh, yeah. Where you know that you've got a valuable company. He said, you know, you don't get a quote on your house every day. You don't get a quote on your farm. That's you a very a, good point, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And if you did, it would be all over the place. Yeah. But okay. uh, you got to buy what's worthwhile and then watch and don't get upset. when Even if the entire market drops, you can go back to 1929. Yeah. Eventually it all came back. You can go all back to 2008, which I remember so clearly. I fortunately didn't run out and dump a bunch of stock, but I remember... Uh, sleepless nights and a lot of worry when I saw my portfolio shrinking by 40% or whatever. You know, oh, the yeah. stocks went down then, but uh, now I'll look at them. Right. No, it, it, it was painful if you let yourself fall into the trap of reacting like that dog, yeah. like somebody's taken something from you. And well, from it, your experience and research, why do so many people badly mistake the uh, mistime the stock market, buying high and selling low, at best breaking even, at worst losing a ton? Seems like all you need to do is read Barron's and the Wall Street Journal and listen to the wise pundits on CNBC, <laughs> follow their advice and strike it rich. What's wrong with that strategy? Well, what's wrong with it is these pundits are never tracked for the accuracy of the recommendations. They know full well that if you want to convince people of anything, uh, you've got to be absolutely confident. Yeah. 
And the example I give in my book is from my dad's favorite comedian, Buddy Hackett. Oh. Buddy Hackett liked to tell the story of a racetrack tout who's out there offering to give you the winner of the next race. And he is slovenly, he is bedraggled, he looks like a mess, but he is confident he has the winner of the next race. And you listen to him compulsively believing in that instant that not only he knows the winner of the next race, but that anyone could. This is unknowable. So you've got these pundits up there telling people what to buy and what to sell. And if they follow them, I, I knew one fellow who did that. He was a brilliant man who discovered those pundits and listened to them. And he bought and sold wildly. And in two years, he was broke. <laughs> now, what does Buffett teach you? Buffett teaches you to look at the long haul, to be rational, yeah. to think about it in terms that take you over decades, not moment to moment. No, and if people, it was learned in 1688 uh, by a writer who was describing the Amsterdam stock market of that era. He noticed it, and most brokers and most stock purchasers don't know it. If you buy and sell frequently, the only person who wins is the broker. <laughs> you don't win. Buying and selling rapidly. You know, there are always people want to learn online trading. I, want to trade I can't believe these day, day traders. That's yeah. the last thing in the world I'd want to do is day trading. Right. Uh, <laughs> you, you lose money. Uh, yeah. It's just almost inevitable. And I think because, about 90% of day traders lose more than they gain. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. But nobody's telling you that, and yeah. these pundits aren't telling you that because yeah. they want you to watch and listen. That's yeah. how they make their money. Yeah. Well, it isn't just investing. You point out that marketers and businesses know how to exploit our fear of loss. Can you give a, a couple of examples of those? I know in your book you do. With like eBay's don't miss out, make a bid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the one that the one that really blew me away, and it's also in the book, because yeah. I think of it as a fairly benevolent institution, uh, is Costco. And, yeah. you know, Costco is has been a great investment. Uh, yeah. Charlie Munger's on the board. Um, I, I've owned Costco. I, I've been yeah. delighted with it, and I love going yeah. to the store. Yeah. Um, you know, all the all the employees are happy in the store, and it's yeah. a rare store you can go into where people who are you know just putting stuff on a shelf or uh, yeah. you know where you where you check out and they'll smile at you and they're happy. Why? Because yeah. they're they're well paid. Well, yeah. anyway, Costco, as good as it is as a corporation, and Charlie Munger says it's done more for America than the Ford Foundation. Yeah. Uh, Costco moves stuff around so that you'll chase it, <laughs> so that you'll be afraid if you don't buy that particular item, it'll be gone next week, and you, you won't know, you have it. You they actually pull products off the shelves to make them seem rare. <laughs> yes. Well, everybody loves rare stuff. Yeah. You know, the best example of that, and it's not in my book, I don't know if you're a beer drinker, but I am. Oh, I do some. <laughs> yeah. Well, you remember Coors, Coors Beer, C-O-O-R-S? Yeah, Sure. Uh, there was a time you couldn't get it. It was yeah. only in Colorado, and you, they wouldn't – well, because you couldn't get it, everybody wanted it. And there were millionaires and billionaires who were flying Coors beer 
to wherever they were by helicopter <laughs> so they could have a Coors. Now yeah, Coors, I can still remember a business trip I took with another fellow to Kansas. I think they'd reached as far as Kansas, and he ran out and bought a bunch of Coors while we were on the trip. <laughs> Take it back east. <laughs> now, you can get Coors now, I think, but yeah, I, I don't know anybody that's chasing it down. <laughs> I don't think so. The old silver bullet, as they used to call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when something's rare, you, you, you want it more. And if you think you're going to lose it, you want it more. Um, I once read that the way Lauren Bacall attracted Humphrey Bogart, because he was a big star and she was nothing, was she walked by him but ignored him. (laughs) So he got a glimpse and he wanted more of something he didn't think he could have. Will you suggest four strategies to help us overcome our fear of loss? and ensure slow but steady gains over time in our stock market portfolio. What are those strategies? Could you briefly just uh, touch on each of those four? Oh, you got me because I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> well, I can. Uh, I, I've if, got you, if you just uh, tick them off, I'll, I'll be able to tell you. Okay, the first one's never sell out of fear, and I think we kind of talked about that. Like you yeah. said, the market always comes back. and uh, Always comes back. You just got to wait. You got to wait until that hysteria resolves, until yeah. people realize that it's not a fire, it's a fire sale. Yeah, the only scary thing is if you're uh, in a position where you need that money right away, then obviously you should have a significant portion not in the stock market or uh, yeah we all need we... to have some cash yeah you know even though cash is melting yeah. you know, by inflation <laughs> and we don't fully appreciate just how bad inflation is no. until you remember when i was a kid and i'm only 66 when i was a kid i could get a slice of pizza for five cents yeah now it's three dollars so you know what real inflation is I used to go to Cub games when I was in graduate school and sit in the bleachers for 25 cents. <laughs> now it's a bit more. It wasn't cheap because the Cubs always lost. It was. <laughs> no, that's part of the reason. Well, the second reason was buy low, sell high, which obviously sounds great if you can, can do it. But uh, Well, you know, if you see something good on sale, you'll want to pick it up. Yeah. Uh, but people just don't feel that way about a stock. That's in, if a stock has a low price, they yeah. they figure it's in trouble, and nobody's buying it. And it may not be in trouble, but nobody's buying it. Yeah. But it may be a great deal, but they just don't know it because yeah. they want to run with the crowd. Yeah. Well, I and like when, your reasonable compromise you offer. Buy solid dividend-bearing stocks and reinvest the dividends because that's free of the brokerage fees in the underlying stock in fair weather and foul. That's that's a great way to uh, get that Yeah, I was very impressed with that, and I've done that. Yeah. And that is a happy-making deal. Yeah, this, this third one is so crucial. Uh, understand how losses compound. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that, that goes back to our inflation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that story you have of the uh, the guy who, uh, Uncle uh, Herschel, I think his name, or Uncle Horace, excuse me, yeah. he dies and uh, wills you a house with a million dollars uh, hidden within it. <laughs> you, uh, in 1980, I guess it is, and you find it in uh, 2010 and think you've made made a million dollars and you've actually lost a million eight. 
Yes, because of inflation. But but nobody's yeah. going to think that way. You know, yeah. the dollar bills kind of look the same if you compare the silver certificate that was around when I was a kid and yeah. the Federal Reserve dollar. They they look the same, but they don't do the same thing when you bring them to the store. No, that's for sure. <laughs> And that fourth one, learn to go numb to loss. I, I, it was amazing when you said uh, in your book that Berkshire Hathaway three times suffered 50% or more temporary drop in market value, but that Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger remained calm. <laughs> well, absolutely. Well, one way to remain calm with a 50% drop, yeah. I can quote the comedian Chris Rock. He said, if I've got $10 million and I have to give you five, well... I still have five. If yeah. I have one million and have to give you half, I may have to kill you. <laughs> it was amazing um, on, the, on the positive side of compounding where you talk about whether you'd rather have a million dollars right now or one cent, uh, but every day the amount doubles <laughs> for a month, and uh, which would you rather have? <laughs> it, that is amazing, and everybody I've ever shown it to doesn't really believe it until they work it through themselves because the first few days you yeah. just got more pennies yeah um, you're worth uh, after seven days it's worth 64 cents and even after 14 days it's only like 82 dollars <laughs> yeah but keep going with it and boy <laughs> it takes off it yeah, really if, takes off. If it's off. a thirty-day month, you get five million three sixty-nine, and uh, if it's a thirty-one-day month, you get ten million seven hundred seventeen thousand. So. It's it's incredible. It's mind-boggling <laughs> because our minds do not compound. Just like we can't compound the inflation and realize that the dollar of at least my childhood is worth about five cents now. Yeah, that's exactly uh, right. We can't look at compounding in building wealth either. We just don't see it coming. Um, and uh, just to give you an example that isn't in the book, but I worked it out uh, for the website and the video, although it's not up yet. Yeah. If you were to have invested but $5 a day in the market going back 50 years, just $5 a day works out to about $1,800 a year. Yeah. Compounded at the 10% rate of the growth of the S&P 500 over yeah. that time frame, yeah. you would have over two and a half million dollars today wow. if it were in a retirement, a non-taxable retirement account. Yeah. Uh, and that's not intuitive either. It's only two thousand a year, yeah. so you would think 50 years, it's a hundred thousand dollars and maybe a little change, but yeah. it's two and a half million. Well, let's talk a bit about your claim book, Anyone Can Become Rich. Heck, if Warren Buffett calls it, well done. That's got yeah. my attention. Yeah, I don't know if real... he was ordering a steak at the time. but <laughs> Is your book real technical? Does it contain a lot of complex investment strategies like oh, bull no, foot spreads a... and bear call spreads and all these things? Oh, no, no. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's simple as can be. A child can understand it um, because the only recommendation I make is index funds. You, yeah. uh, I, I imagine you know about uh, Vanguard yeah, uh, sure. and, and the head of Vanguard, Jack Bogle. This, to me, he, he is one of nature's noblemen because what he did was he created a company that really existed for its investors with a fiduciary duty to those investors to make them money. And what did he use? He used the efficient market hypothesis, which doesn't 
really work out scientifically, but it works well enough that you can build wealth just by buying the whole market because the market has grown. The individual stocks go up and down, but the market has grown. It's yeah. a lot like life. You know, people get very upset lately because they're worried about certain species dying off. Yeah. Well, species have been dying since life began. <laughs> and 90% of all the species in the world are gone. Yeah. They're gone. And it wasn't global warming that did it. The, the species come and go. No, but if true. you if if you were investing in the world, you wouldn't bet on the Tyrannosaurus Rex. He's dead. I'm kind of glad that the uh, the Tyrannosaurus Rex is gone, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be difficult to shoot one down without uh, some fairly formidable weaponry. Uh, yeah. But Tyrannosaurus Rex is gone. If you want to be a contrarian, the dodo's gone. Yeah. But if you bet on life, life is everywhere. Yeah, okay. I love the, um, the the nutshell version of your book. Do you uh, recall that, or I can read it because uh, I copied yeah, it down? Yeah, that's, that's my last chapter. I, I'm yeah. flattered that you read the book. You know, a lot of people I talk to, they haven't read it. It's just such a simple formula, but it works. <laughs> <laughs> it is simple. Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett explain and they made a whole lot more money than the S than the index fund. Woo! They yeah. compound the index fund, S and P 500 compounds at 10 percent. They compounded at 20 percent. Yeah. You compound at 20 percent, it explodes. I mean, it's unbelievable. And of course, their shareholders have done fantastically well. The amazing well. thing about uh, Warren Buffett, he's one of the wealthiest, and you know, in purser, and he's always up in the top five. And he's really the only one of the five that, uh, to my knowledge, really didn't invent anything or, uh, you know, didn't start up Apple or uh, <laughs> start up uh, Amazon.com or any of these things. He's just basically been a wise investor all these years. <laughs> well, very wise, and, and he learned it very young. There's a yeah. story, I, I think I have it in my book, that his mother was highly mathematical. And she sang him a song about compounding when he was a little boy, and he learned to sing it with her. So he learned about compounding at a very young age, and he absorbed the concept, and he worked it. Yeah, I love this, uh, like the nutshell version. You want me to give it, or do you want to give it? Oh, uh, you have a, a trained voice. I don't. Work hard all your life, invest at least 10% of what you earn, no arguments from the get-go, preferably in a tax-deferred or non-taxable Roth retirement account using low-cost index funds invested in U.S. stocks and always live within your means and debt is for home mortgages and education only. And you have some additional uh, thoughts there, but that sort of sums it all up, I think. That, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the book can fit on one page. So I, I tried to write a lot of stories that I felt from my heart that yeah. would help people remember the principles of the book. You know, and the, the dog is the perfect one. <laughs> well, where's the best place for folks to go to preview and purchase your book? Uh, it's on Amazon, and it's uh, at Barnes & Noble. Oh. It's available uh, as a Kindle, and it's available as a paperback. Oh, that's great. If, if people want to learn more about you and uh, preview the book, do you have a website where they could go? Yeah, that's marktobackmd.org. The only period in there is between the D and the org. Uh, and your name is last name is T-O-B-A-K, right? That's right. Yeah, T-O-B-A-K. 
so that's uh, where you could go to find out more. Well, to conclude this segment, I'd like to tell you a story about an elderly gentleman who passed away some 10 years ago in his early 90s. It was my father, oh. and my father was successful in business as a salaried employee, but never in business for himself and not a fabulously successful entrepreneur. And at the peak of his career, my father never earned more than 75000 Of course, that was in 1975 dollars, which would be worth uh, closer to 300000 in today's dollar. Mm-hmm. But like a mini version of the Warren Buffetts uh, of the world, consistent investing following the slow-growth, long-term investment strategy of the legendary Benjamin Graham, which is the same uh, source that uh, I think... Uh, Warren Buffett follows. On yeah, death, that's his my, professor. Yeah. On, the, on his death, my father's estate had grown to over $4 million, which was really amazing. And no, my father never became wealthy. He never received a big payoff or won life's lottery, but he most definitely was able to enjoy a number of years of being comfortably rich, and he was able to leave a legacy for his spouse, my mom, and the kids. Mm-hmm. And unlike all the books out there espousing this or that currently fashionable, sure-fired formula to instant riches or picking the winners, I encourage you to preview and purchase Dr. Mark Tobek's book, Anyone Can Be Rich. And Dr. Tobek encourages you and shows you how to look inside to understand what you've been doing wrong and uh, why you invest the way you have and to point out a better strategy and to find the metal tools for financial success. That's really what it's all about. And let's all follow his advice and all become comfortably rich so we can live a financially stress-free life and contribute value to others while we have a great time doing so. And thanks a lot, Dr. Tobik, for uh, joining us, and best of success on your new book. Thank you, sir. Well, let me begin our next segment with a question. Are you at a fork in the road, ready to take the next steps to become unstuck and to make your life better, to make every day a whole lot more rewarding and fun, to set life goals and to explore what's next for you with yourself firmly in control of your own destiny? If you answered yes, then what's been holding you back? Well, for so many of us, the answer is shame, that emotion that makes us feel so unworthy afraid that others won't like us if they learn the truth about who we are, what we believe, and what we have or have not done. And if you're like me, shame often has held you back from venturing outside your comfort zone for fear that you will fail, and worse yet, someone else will find out. And my next guest, healthy living coach Sherry Clark, specializes in coaching women of middle age and she reveals that she's positively amazed at the folks that she's met who share shame stories, <laughs> mistakes they've made, opportunities they've flubbed, even things they're ashamed of that happened to them, which is even more uh, outrageous when you think about it. She's here to explain why you and I should quit beating ourselves up over crap that we can't change or past things we did or didn't do. And after all, think about it, who the heck benefits when you beat yourself up? Certainly not you and really no one else either. And more importantly, Sherry Clark is also here to talk about next steps towards reaching major life goals, bringing a sense of joy back into your daily living, and getting to the root cause of what's weighing you down in your middle years. And here's Sherry uh, Clark's accomplishment-filled background. 
Uh, she's a healthy living coach, TV show host, inspiring speaker, and accomplished author. She's written and presented on topics ranging from raw food 101 to overcoming career burnout. She appears in a weekly segment in Des Moines, Iowa's local Channel 23 called Fork in the Road with Sherry Clark. And just a few days ago, she launched her year-long Road to a New You group coaching program for achievement-focused women. And she'll talk more about that later. And hello, Sherry Clark, and welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Roy. It's an honor to be here. Well, if we may, I'd like to start with your own experience with shame. When as a teenager, as you put it, the feeling of humiliation was permanently ingrained in my 16-year-old brain. What happened to bring on this shame? (laughs) Well, let me tell you, uh, I've had more than one shame experience, but the one that you're referring to specifically was one that I shared with my own audience. And I talked about um, the fact that I had gone to get my driver's license. I was the the age of 16. I was living in upstate New York, and um, my father owned a bus company. So he, he, yes, he he taught... um, primarily men, most of his drivers were men, there were a few women, um, uh, to how to drive class two vehicles or commercial vehicles. So he he taught um, driver's ed, if you will, for big commercial vehicles. So my dad taught me how to drive a passenger car. And um, I was pretty excited about that. He's a great teacher and a great driver. And I learned all kinds of things. So I yeah, so I went to take my driver's test at the you know the the uh, the the actual where you get behind the wheel of the car and demonstrate your prowess in behind the with the vehicle, and um, I did really really well until the very last maneuver, which was the parallel park, and I, I was <laughs> I, I was had the driving same problem when I took mine years ago. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, it, it's universal. We all have it. Nobody likes to parallel park. But I was convinced I had this because I had done it perfectly. I knew how to parallel park. Yeah. I'm a great parallel parker. Yeah. But I I backed into the space and went up over the curb, which is an automatic fail. Oh, no. <laughs> and so the worst part of it was, you know, I mean, failing the test is bad enough, but with my father's pedigree <laughs> and credentials yeah. and the fact that all of his drivers knew that I was taking this test, I was mortified. Yeah. Well, you you point out that following your driver's license test, you're right then and there, you uh, vowed to avoid all future humiliation. What did you conclude? How were you going to avoid that uh, future humiliation? Well, I just decided that if nobody knew you were going for something, that you couldn't be humiliated if you you missed the mark. (laughs) But following your years of adult living experience, you've come to a far different conclusion. Can you please summarize uh, what the uh, current conclusion is? Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, my current belief, which I believe is the is the correct one, is yeah. that we've all had feelings of failure and shame and humiliation. In fact, when I shared that story with my own tribe or audience, I got uh, I was inundated with number a number of people who had said I didn't pass on the first try either. You know, <laughs> so we we share this little sorority um, of, of failed drivers' tests, but. Um, 
I believe that if you do share your um, your goals and your aspirations, that not only do you have a built-in cheering squad to help you get there, that when you do accomplish your goal, which happens most of the time, thankfully, and if, when it doesn't, you've got a group to help pick up the pieces, and the cheering squad knows how hard you've worked. Yeah. And yeah. they're the witnesses to your toils. And it's not so much about failing, passing, or failing per se, as as about the progression you make with the the help of the uh, your cheering squad or your fellow tribe. Exactly. Yes, it's the process, and it's the shared humanity of striving for a goal, wanting something better, seeking something more, and then being able to do it in community. That, to me, is where the delicious part of life lies. Yeah. Well, once we're able to disengage from the power of shame, another challenge so many of us face at middle age, I think uh, maybe even more you ladies than we men, but we all do, is how to get our groove back, to get out of that same old, same old rut. Can you offer us any suggestions on this? How do you get that groove back? Oh, absolutely. And that's a, that's a common, yes. Here's the thing. The first thing is to realize that if you have shame around not having your groove, get rid of that because that's holding you back right then and there. Like, yeah, understand. You, need, you say that one of the primary causes of shame or why it hangs around is the, the, the secrecy of it, of not yes. knowing just what it is or recognizing it. So if you that's recognize uh, what's going on, you're well on your way to overcoming it, I would think. Absolutely. So own that and say, you know, this is how I'm feeling. This is how, this is the sensation that I'm experiencing and understanding that others will have that and share it with you. The next thing is to simply do something. There, There's no one, Amen. you know, set of steps that's going to get you across the finish line every single time. Movement begets movement. And I have lots of secrets and lots of little tips and tricks and things that I do. And I'll give you just one example. Um, one of the things that I have my, um, my group do in our time together is we do what we call an informational interview. And I ask people to identify identify someone that they admire look up to for whatever reason it could be for what it could be for any reason whatsoever and schedule a time preferably in person because in this digital age we are so disconnected yeah. i like to have coffee with a person a real live person and um and say to them you know i'm feel be vulnerable and say i'm feeling a little stuck in this area of my life and my hunch is is that if you haven't experienced it yourself that maybe you've seen someone that has and I'm hoping you might be able to give me some pointers or insight or thoughts or something and just getting out there and talking to someone else about it is yeah. I call it an energetic x-lax yeah doing <laughs> anything is, is so easy to get off the, get your groove back to the worst thing to do is this paralysis of analysis where we just sit around and uh, we're afraid to take that next step, so we make excuses to ourselves and then we debate and debate and nothing gets done and we yes. stay in that same old rut. <laughs> yes, and any action is um, a step in the right direction because if nothing else, you might say, oh, that didn't work. I wonder where yeah. I could go next. Yeah, you eliminate the uh, possibilities if they don't work in that. So that's so true. Well, I understand you have a brand new year-long group coaching program labeled Road to a New You. 
please tell us uh, what the program is intended to accomplish and uh, uh, what is the uh, group's program's primary purpose. Thank you. Yes, it's um, the group is for women, um, and it's women of I say midlife, and I define yeah. midlife less about chronology or, or um, you know how many how many years old you are, and more about your life experience. But if we had to put it in numbers, I would say women from their later forties beyond seventy. Um, we have women that are over seventy in in the group currently. We spend a year together. The group is international. Um, we have women. Um, on all parts of North America and also um, the UK. Um, I'm talking with somebody this evening actually from Australia, so we are definitely an international group. And we spend the year together working on our individual goals and objectives, but in community. So um, I give that the group... That makes such a big difference when you have other people uh, you feel responsible to or you're letting them in on what you're doing and... Uh... It's such an incentive to keep going, isn't it? To, it and, is. And it's accountability. To others. Yeah. yeah. To be accountable to others and have them accountable to you is a, a really a wonderful thing. Absolutely. And the other thing is the bearing of witness. Um, having someone else see you evolve and change and holding up a mirror for you and saying, you are not the same person today that you were yesterday or when you started is so validating and affirming. Yeah, that's wonderful also. Well, I noticed yes. the starting date for your Road to New Year, uh, the Road to the New You program was September 19th. Uh, we're a few days beyond that. Is it too late for ladies to join your program now? Not at all. I will take um, women into the second week and potentially as late as the third. If we get beyond that, then we'd need to talk about maybe there would be some other program that I can do that would be of, of benefit. But no, um, we're, we've just gotten started, so anyone listening now has simply missed the orientation. I could catch you up on that. Um, what, what you need in terms of criteria is um, a strong desire to want to experience life and um, experience some sort of change or shift and a willingness to be part of a community and to participate. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, what's the best way for a listener to uh, sign up for your program? How do they do that? So a great way would be um, shoot me an email, and if you've got a pen and you want to write down my email address, it would be just send it to info. That's easier than spelling my first name, info, I-N-F-O, at fork dash road dot com that's f o r k dash or hyphen road dot com yeah. and I can get you information i the website is fork dash road dot com too you can also reach me there's a contact form there as well yeah and I also notice that you uh, also offer individual one on one coaching uh, coaching that uh, listeners can schedule an introductory twenty minute uh, conversation to discuss working together with you. How can a listener yes. contact you to set up that introductory session if that's what they're interested in? That would that you can do that directly from my website. There's a little box that you check right there, and it'll oh. it'll actually launch you right onto my calendar, so you can can grab your spot um, and the time to talk with me, and that will be all good to go. And that would be another good way of we can chat about whatever it is that I might have that could benefit you. And if I don't have anything, I might be able to point point you in the right direction. Yeah, well, that's great. You also I notice you're offering our listeners a very special free gift. Tell us about the gift and how a listener can obtain it. 
Yes, absolutely. So I understand that you're going to be um, giving posting the URL also, so people can can um, access that. But so what I have done is I have put together a three part video series, and the three parts of the video are three secrets um, that I call it the secrets to a happy life. And um, the very first secret that I do um, tells how I set goals and what kinds of what an exercise that I go through when I'm trying to decide what is it that I want out of my life? What is it that I'm seeking right now? And it's, a, it's an important um, exercise and it's, it's fun and I show you exactly how to do it. The second video talks about nutrition and because I'm really into food and healthy living, um, I talk about the one secret that I use that, and the way that I start every single day and the thing that I know has made all of the difference in my life in terms of me staying healthy. And then the third video is where do I turn when I'm stuck? Um, we all, even as a coach, um, I sometimes get in a bind and I am thinking to myself, I just don't know. I don't know what, where to go from here. And so it, I tell you exactly what some of the resources are that I use when I am stuck. Well, that's great. Now, what do they get? The, how do they get that gift? And so the URL I have, and you're going to help me to make sure I get this right because I wrote it down and sent it to you, and now I don't have it in front of me, but it is what the fork are you waiting for dot com and this is a pg show so it's fork not another word <laughs> that's exactly right what the fork because i'm at fork in the road yeah. are you waiting for dot com and then is there a backslash and the word gift is that correct i believe so yes that's correct okay perfect Yes. Yeah, you can go there and get that uh, wonderful gift. And that, in conclusion, my guest today, healthy living coach Sherry White, has made such an important, uh, has such an important midlife message for you ladies out there, and for that matter, we men also, even though we're not eligible for her uh, <laughs> group session. <laughs> but uh, it's also easy to let shame uh, take over our emotions and keep us from moving forward to a better life, fear of the future, all those other negative things. And as we have discussed throughout today's segment, a highly effective antidote for recovery from shame is to realize that we're not alone, and that's where Sherry Clark and her group and individual coaching sessions come in. In fact, I would highly recommend you contact Sherry if any of the following describes you. You need help figuring out what you really want to do with the rest of your life and support to gain the courage to take the plunge and actually do it. And after years of frustration, you long to get your groove back and get out of that rut. If you're opening your own unique one-of-a-kind gifts, uh, you're open to exploring those uh, so that you'll have the perfect blueprint to live your second half of life joyfully with ease, ambition, and confidence. And as we often say on this program, middle age starts around 40, not even uh, you're uh, certainly may up to your late 40s, and goes to question mark, question mark, question mark, because mm -hmm. as Sherry points out, she has some ladies in her, their 70s that still consider themselves open to change and open to a bright new future. And finally, if you feel like you've taken care of everyone else for too long, and now it's your turn, and that's... Uh, failing it, uh, so many uh, traps, so many ladies, wonderfully caring ladies, fall into when they raise their kids and take care of hubby, and it's really their turn to enjoy life and get some of the benefits of, of the real 
uh, successful and purpose-driven living. And to learn more, sign up for Sherry's Road to New You group coaching or set up your one-on-one coaching session, I urge you to go to www.fork-road.com and let's all ditch shame once and for all and move forward to a joyful, confidence-filled living every one of us deserves. And thank you so much, Sherry Clark, for joining us here today. And thanks for having me, Roy. It's been my pleasure. And goodbye from now for From Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal training system by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 